Well, hey, it's season five. And as you know, this podcast is committed to releasing and activating the ordinary person to be on mission. So I think it's high time that we heard from some of those people that are actually doing it. This season, we'll be hearing from some dear friends of mine from Alabama and from Clinton, Illinois. But to start, we have a couple episodes highlighting two of my new friends from England. I hear that the English accent boosts ratings, so we'll see. Uh, Anyway, uh, I recently had the privilege of attending a conference just outside of Nottingham where the ministers all had day jobs. It was an incredible weekend where I saw the fullness of Christ manifested in more complete way than I'd ever seen before. And I wish that y'all could have experienced it. I wish I could have interviewed everyone, actually. But today we will be focusing on Dave's story. I didn't have access to a studio, so the audio might be a little weak, but I still trust that his story will inspire you as it did me. So welcome to We Have Permission, a podcast designed to awaken and empower the ordinary person towards one extraordinary mission. Your permission starts now. Well, welcome to the podcast, Dave. So happy to have you with me. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, this is it's been it's been such a blessing for me this weekend. Got to spend the weekend with you, um, and we got to hear so many stories. And I there's so many people that I wish I I could have actually interviewed for this podcast. But your story particularly struck me the other night as we were talking. Um, just your journey and how you got into a missional community. And um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling me that again, I think it would be helpful for our podcast listeners to hear your story. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, like many people, I um, for maybe thirty years of my life was a, a Christian going to church. Um, you know, uh, trying to trying to be a good member of the church, um, uh, trying to um, help out with the things that needed helping out in the church, and, and being a regular church attender and listening to uh, what was being preached and trying to trying to live that out. But I did sort of always feel like there was a bit more to it. Um, like um, we didn't see many people um, who came to know Jesus for the first time uh, or, or be new to faith. And I didn't feel uh, really very confident that that was something that would ever have much to do with me. We did run lots of things as a church, things like Alpha courses and um, evangelism training and stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we did those things. But in some ways it felt like we were paying the pastors in the church to to kind of do that stuff and to do the outreach and the evangelism and, and that, you know, we would try and invite people to events that were happening in the church. But often um, I didn't see much success. People didn't come. And I probably thought, you know, it wasn't much of a, wasn't much of an evangelist. And it wasn't really for me. Um, but I, I remember just sort of sitting there in the, in the pews one time listening to a guy speaking and he started talking about how we're not called to build church which I thought was really odd because I thought we were called to build church. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that had been taught to me up until that point made made me think that was what we were exactly called to do. And he said, actually, we're called to make disciples. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, that's what we're doing, isn't it? And and then when he explained what he thought a disciple was and what it means to make a disciple and the idea that Jesus built his church um, and that we have to make disciples, the, wow. the penny suddenly dropped for me that actually this was something that I was supposed to be involved with uh, and that actually God wants me to 
to, to, to learn more about what it means to make disciples. And I sort of, the, the scales fell away from my eyes a bit about how I'd been reading God's word in a way that suggested that it was all about church and that what they were talking about when they talked about disciples, mm. they were talking about church, but, but they weren't they were talking about what it wow. meant for me wow. to make disciples. So I, I started to find out a little bit more and I went to a conference where I listened to this guy, Alan Hirsch, talking about, yeah. um, he was talking about missional, which is a word that I hadn't heard very more, uh, very, very often uh, about missional communities. Um, and he had some really simple ideas, you know, he was talking about people of peace and what a person of peace was. And I hadn't heard that before, I hadn't come across that idea before. Who are the people of peace in your life? Who are the, the guys who are open to you, who you can have spiritual conversations with? And I thought, you know, there isn't anyone and I don't have spiritual conversations yeah. with people. And he said, well, here's some, here's some scripture which suggests that God, you know, Luke chapter 10, God has people of peace for you and, and you can just pray for those people of peace in your life. So um, I thought, okay, we'll, we'll do that. So <laughs> my wife and I, uh, we prayed, uh, Lord, would you give us some people of peace? You're going to have to make this really easy for us. We're not people that open our home. We're not really sociable people. Um, uh, we don't have lots of friends, um, but we're up for it. But can you make it <laughs> yeah. make it easy? And literally the next morning I was at work. I worked as a doctor and I was uh, at work visiting a patient in our home. And normally uh, these things go in a very predictable way. Um, uh, and uh, when I came in, I said, hello, and, you know, how can I help today? And, and she said, um, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Whoa. <laughs> which, which no one you know, has ever said that to me. Certainly no patient has ever. Has no, this happened uh, This happened on the heels of you praying. Yeah, the morning after. For a, for a the morning after. You said, you're looking yeah. for a person of peace the morning after this happened. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I was a bit upset with God because I, I thought, hang on a minute, you know, you know, this is my, you know, non-Christian part of my life where, you know, which again, I didn't realize how wrong that, that thinking was, but <laughs> this is my job, you know, and I wanted you to give me my next door neighbor or something like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I said to her... Um, you know, do you want me to talk to you about this? I, you know, I don't want to put any pressure on you. You know, I, you know, she said, no, I, I'm asking you because I saw a program on TV last night about the resurrection, and it suggested that that, that this was um, something that that was true. And I wondered what you thought. Uh, so I, I thought, well, God has heard me. He couldn't have made it any easier than that. So I, I explained um, what I thought about faith and about Jesus. And um, at that time, she got down on her knees and decided to give her life to Jesus wow. and become a Christian. The wow. first person I'd ever led to the Lord in 30 years. And <laughs> that was quite surprising to me. Um, so I think God made that one. I think God made that one easy. I was just so surprised by how much he wanted to just honor that prayer, really to step out a little bit. Yes. Oh my um, goodness. So, so then uh, our pastor kind of challenged us and said, you know, you, you don't have many people around your house. Um, and you know, Jesus was hospitable. Could you, could you be more hospitable? You, you know, he was a very hospitable guy. He said, you've got 21 meals in your week. Mm. Um, could you open one of them and just uh, invite people around to your house um, who don't yet know Jesus and maybe just invite them into your Christian household so they can see yeah. what's going on. Um, so we freaked out a bit at that because we didn't do that sort of thing normally. And the idea that we might just invite anyone, our house might be a mess and things like this. But actually we, we thought, okay, well, you know, God's on it so far, we'll have a go. So on a Wednesday night, we started opening our home. And just throughout the week when we came across people, 
um, we'd say, hey, you know, we're having this open house on a Wednesday night, why don't you come along? And the first week we thought no one would turn up, um, but actually four people turned up, which was a bit of a problem because there's four of us in the family. Uh, we only had a little table for six people in quite a small room, really, as uh -huh. the room we're sitting in now. And uh, we we had to uh, sort of get some folding chairs out. But then as we continued doing it, you know, it, it soon became more like 20 people who were regularly just coming around for dinner. And now what did you do with that? Was it just, just dinner? Was, uh, that, was that kind of what, what to, the idea was? To start with, it was dinner, but we were being encouraged to live openly and authentically as Christians. So, you know, to just be opening our conversations around, you know, the fact that we were Christians or that we... Um, that we prayed for things, you know, if someone had a, a need where they said, you know, we're struggling in this area, we'd say, can we pray for you? Mm -hmm. um, you know, just try and be authentic and open about who we were, which was hard because we hadn't been living authentically and openly up until no, that right. point with So there's friends. some conviction that comes into so, that. Some right. conviction. But then over time, we thought, you know, why not give people an opportunity? So after we ate together, we started to um, do a discovery Bible study afterwards and a little bit of worship and we said to people, hey, you know, you're just really welcome to come for dinner. If that's all you want to do, that's fine. Okay. But afterwards, we carry on and we do this thing and you're, you're welcome to stay. And initially, kind of one person stayed. But then over time, as as people got the idea that it wasn't so bad, really, and it was quite good fun, um, more and more people started staying. And over the course of a year, we, we actually got up to the point where we had about 35 people meeting in our house, most of whom were staying for the discovery bible study and worship afterwards so, fantastic yeah and our house wasn't big <laughs> you know and so we then just had to start praying to god you know god would you would you help us either to move to a bigger house or to extend but it wasn't obvious that that, that was easily possible but uh, god really searched our hearts and said said to us, you know, why do you want more room and i think we said because we're on this journey with you where we want to be able to be hospitable and we mm. need more room because we've got a whole community not a few people now meeting in our house and uh, and he was really gracious and, and some money came uh, unexpectedly as an inheritance and we were able to extend our house and and build a kind of space which then enabled a community to start meeting in our house um and over the first kind of year of that community we were privileged to see 18 people come to know jesus oh my god be baptized so that's the that's the side of the house that we were just sitting in, yeah. Right. Yeah, so that extension. extension, yeah. And so eighteen people came to Jesus in that first year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how many people were meeting here re regularly at that time? Um, we, the the most we ever had missing in our house when we were just kind of putting on um, gatherings was fifty four people, which was for our kind of Thanksgiving gathering. Okay. And at that stage, we were thinking, gosh, even for our house as extended, that is. Uh, a lot of people and so we realized that we needed more people to take on uh, continuing to disciple some of those people uh, but thankfully by that stage some of the people who had come to faith were themselves interested in being hospitable so there was a guy called Joe who uh, was saying to me you know he'd come out of a, a, a difficult background um, on a difficult estate and he said, you know, I want to do this where I am. And it's great coming to your house, but actually I want to do this and tell my friends about Jesus. And I thought, oh, gosh, you, you know, your life isn't that, you know, and the area's a bit rough, you know, uh -huh, um, uh -huh. and will you cope? And then it became obvious that in amongst this group of like 50 people, there was a, a significant proportion of them that, that lived closer to him, that would want to go with him because they were good friends. And actually there were some Christian leaders who'd come into our community, had seen what had happened, had had a, had been prepared to say actually 
we would like to go, we'd actually like to move to that estate and buy a house there to help Joe to do this and, oh, wow. and do it together. So actually um, the problem kind of solved itself. The community kind of multiplied into two and these guys went off, you know, and uh, and they're now ministering on this estate, doing the same sorts of things with various people opening their homes. So, so it sounds to me like I've been a part of small group uh, thinking in churches where they say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to divide or we're going to split up or we're going to, and it's always negative, always sounds bad. The split sounds bad. But in this case, it, it sounds like it was a much more natural mm. progression. Well, constantly, um, you know, people were saying to me, um, whether it was the pastor or the things I was listening to from people like Alan Hirsch uh, and the missional stuff, was you want to multiply. That's a good thing because you want to make disciples. Right. You want to make disciples who make disciples. Otherwise, uh, the, what people would say to me is you, you're going to get overwhelmed because you're going to be trying to look after lots of people. And um, so so actually you, you want to send things out You and you don't want everyone to have your vision. That's what Bill was saying to me. My vision was for this area, for, for these people. And actually, Joe's vision was for his estate. Yeah, and I didn't want him to be stuck with my vision. Right, I wanted him to be all that he could be, but he needed a bit of help. But thankfully, there were others that could capture his vision and go. So I just saw it as as releasing mm -hmm. people to into their own vision yeah. and supporting them to be all that God is calling them to be. Um, so tell me a bit about how that went with Joe. Um, well, there's. It's been good. Um, so they, they've um, they've now got uh, two or three small groups meeting um, in on the estates, okay. um, where um, uh, you know people who've come to faith are, are are studying the Bible and doing discovery Bible studies uh, and community gatherings that are happening in homes. Um, Joe um, has a particular story of, of a struggle with drug and alcohol, which he's been very open about um, and testified about. So I think it's okay to share. Um, and he had a lot of friends that were still in that world of drugs and alcohol, in particular uh, one one guy who was very close to him. And he um, had always been an atheist and quite a strong view that, that Christianity wasn't for him. But when he saw the change in Joe's life and he saw that Joe was opening his home and talking about his faith really openly, um, he couldn't believe what he was seeing and the, and the difference in him. And so he actually started coming along to Joe's house and as Joe told him about faith and helped him to overcome his drug problem mm -hmm. uh, with some recovery work, um, uh, he, he gave his life to Jesus and, and became a follower. Wow. Um, but of course then his story <laughs> becomes a witness to the people that he knows. And we've now got into this position where um, out of this community, um, we're seeing lots of baptisms one after another where uh, people are coming to faith and then and then talking to their friends about it. Uh, and then their friends are saying, well, I think I might want that and, and I might like to give my life to Jesus. Yeah. Um, and you've got disciples, who, you know, who have made disciples, who've made disciples. And we're really trying to play catch up with it now as to how do you support those guys well yeah. as they're sharing their faith when they've only just come to faith yeah. a month ago. So it's exciting, but it's, uh, well, you know. I think you said something earlier that I think is probably one of the hang-ups that most of mm. us end up having. Mm. You you wonder, I mean, you, 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 you know you're obedient in this area, at this place, but there's a part of us, I think, that begins to say, well, my life's kind of together. Mm. 
and and I don't know if somebody whose life isn't all together is actually going to be able to do this on their home tour. But you're beginning to see that's just kind of not God's economy. Like he no. he uses anybody. Yeah. And I think that's really, really, I think, liberating idea. Yeah. Well, he, he used some pretty introverted, pretty inexperienced people who had never really discipled anyone or led them to the Lord. And we're now in a position where we we feel like that bit that was missing, yeah. you know, it, it's not missing anymore. We live in, um, in a, a faith community where um, people are coming to faith and um, it's exciting to see disciples being made. And we still don't really know what we're doing, but we know that God knows what yeah. he's doing. And uh, everything that's happened has been possible because God has done it. You know, the the changes that happen in people's heart, the way people receive the word, the way they are impacted by people's story. Um, it, it's the Holy Spirit at work in people. Yeah. And that thing around that I've had to learn around finding the person of peace, finding the person who God is working in by his Holy Spirit, asking him who that is, and then just being obedient to to share something with them, share your life, share a story, yeah. um, share, share a Bible story, um, and God does the rest. Um, mm-hmm. And I think um, he can use anyone. I think that would be my encouragement is uh, no one should disqualify themselves or, or think oh. that they need to go through some sort of three-year degree in order to do things. So would you go back? Would you go back to the way church was before? Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Which creates a dilemma because... Um, because I love where we are and I love what we're doing and I and I hope it continues to to prosper because uh, because I I realise now how empty it was to be just sitting in that church pew singing songs about reaching the world and reading about things that happened in Acts and not seeing those things in my life and yeah. I think now I wouldn't want to do it any other way um, by the grace of God. Wow, that's awesome. So. One thing I noticed this weekend is I was hanging out with, what, 150 of us, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, just a lot of other, other people like you from all different walks of life coming together as church leaders, even though they're occupied in in the world. They're not necessarily paid ministers, mm-hmm. but just seeing in their eyes, you could just see a difference of them either being institutionalized, which is what I'm used to seeing, I feel like, in a lot of my context, or people that are free to be themselves, to be on mission, to be what they're supposed to be in, in, in their unique way, too. Like, everyone finding their unique gifting and, their, and being released mm. is, is really what I... I actually saw this weekend and I'll never forget like this is, it's been inspiring for me to mm. see average ordinary people, which is what I've longed to see mm. actually living into their calling. Mm. So thank you for letting me be a part of that. Um, quick question I have um, at the end of this, of every podcast, I'd just like to ask you mm. um what would be some practical advice that you would give to the other ordinary person who's sitting in a pew somewhere mm-hmm. um, to just get them started? What 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 would be your bit of advice to to close this with? Yeah, I think um, re- realizing that it's not on us that that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, and and so we pray that He sends workers into the harvest field 
but we have to be prepared that the answer to that prayer could be ourselves, that we might be the workers sent into the harvest field. And so what I started to do was to just pray and say, God, is there anyone that you're placing in my heart, uh, any person of peace, um, someone that, that might receive the gospel that you might be at work in? And as I wrote down the names that I thought I was hearing, and sometimes you don't hear, sometimes it's just common sense, people that you know, mm-hmm. people that you have favour with. I wrote down those names. Um, I was encouraged to pray every day, just just for the people on those, not, not for long, just maybe to pray for one person a day. And then the simple thing was to, to pray, and if the Lord said to, to give that person a phone call, or to give them a text, or to invite them out for dinner, have a chat, just to do that so just to just to write down those names pray for those people uh, and be obedient to God and, uh, and that's a great way to get started